Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Welcome again, and welcome all of you online uh, watching today. We're in a series called Collateral Effects. What happens when we are obedient to God in the area specifically of our finances? Now, today is going to be a little bit more of a teaching uh, because oftentimes uh, when we come into church or you get a job and you start making money, uh, we default to uh, paradigms that we have been taught growing up. And those paradigms create a belief system uh, that create cynicism, oftentimes criticism, and maybe sometimes your parents, um, as my mother did, uh, really understood tithing. Now, my dad didn't, uh, but I do now look back and recall that my mother would take us to church. My dad worked typically seven days a week, so he was never there, and uh, we were anything but uh, wealthy. And my mother would, would tithe. I remember her talking about it. Now, at that time, I didn't know what tithe meant, that it stood for 10%. It means 10%, a tenth. And I didn't know that, but I always watched my mother do that. It moved me to the point where, as I grew up, I just saw my mother doing it, so I began doing it. What I didn't realize was that giving it should be intentional. It should be a something we focus on. It's not like playing the lottery or, or, or playing you know, a Vegas game where you, you put it down and you hope you win something. Uh, it, it's an intentional act of obedience to God. And your self-portrait will determine your self-conduct. So, for instance, if the portrait of yourself is that you don't see yourself as blessed, then your self-conduct will follow suit. And blessing comes through obedience. As we obey in Deuteronomy 28, it says we'll be blessed in the city and the country coming in and going out. Now, my prayer would be that you, you don't have a difficult time with the thought of being blessed. Now, some people do. Some people really don't want to be blessed, and that's okay. But be, please don't be critical of people who do desire to be blessed. And uh, we do have people who are in the closet concerning their blessed desires, they really want to be blessed, but they're afraid if they trust God or if they obey the word of God or they do what the Bible says, that family members and others will criticize them and think you're a lunatic. So they stay private about their desire to obey the Lord in this area. Now, repetition is the mother of learning. So I want to read this verse again today out of 3 John chapter uh, 2. And it says... Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers, that you would prosper in all things. It's God's desire that good things happen to us and through us. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, from God. And so what we want to do is tap in to all that God has and all the things God wants to, us to have and wants to do for us. 
And it begins with simple acts of obedience. Just where we live. Uh, it's, it's, and it's the only place in the Bible, in Malachi 3, if you go back, it says, bring the whole tithes into the storehouse that there might be meat in my house. God says, test me in this. So he says, see if I won't do it. Now, let's talk about return for a moment. This is where people have problems. Well, you know, I don't mind giving, but the thought of getting something in return, doesn't that seem a little selfish? Not when God says to expect it. When God says, this is what I will do, uh, we are actually showing honor to God by believing that he will do what he says. So, for instance, the return on insurance premiums is coverage. So when you pay your insurance premiums, do you not expect, and this is a challenge, the insurance company to do what they say they will do? <laughs> Sorry while I stretch that out just a minute. But that's the expectation is you're paying the premium with an expectation that if anything were to go wrong, a tornado, a hailstorm, for instance, hits your roof, that you have an expectation that they're going to fix it. Why? Because you paid them a premium. And these are people. This is not even God. These are just simply people. But you expect a return. The return on a football ticket is that you'll be entertained. Sometimes that happens and sometimes it doesn't. The return on at the grocery store is food. You go, you pick up the food, you pay for it, you expect it to do what you bought it to do, which is bring nutrition to your life, energy to you, and, and that it, it does what it's supposed to do. The return on our vacation is enjoyment. In other words, everything that we do really has some sort of expectation to it. You're going to go to work tomorrow. And, and based on how many hours you put in, you have an expectation that there will be a financial return on the hours that you've invested. Do you not? I don't know many people go, wow, you know, I wonder if I'm going to get paid. Now, maybe some of you work for a company that's downsizing and that's what you're thinking. But the reality is most of the time we have expectation if I put in X amount of hours, I'll get X amount of dollars in return. Nothing wrong with expectation. When it comes to God, nothing wrong with expectation. It's an amazing thing to know that when you give or you tithe, that you should connect an expectation to that which you're sowing. So a lot of people, for, for years, religious people just throw money in buckets or pouches or wherever they put the money. They just throw it in there. And the idea for them, if you're religious, is it feels good. And it does feel good. But the reality is that its purpose is greater than a feel good. The purpose is obedience with an expectation that God will meet all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So we need to remember to connect an expectation to our obedience. That's the reason we pray over the offering. I'm expecting God to do something in your life when you obey. I'm expecting God more specifically to bless you financially when you obey him with your finances. Get your mind wrapped around this. This is a very difficult principle for many people because we hear so much in the secular media 
criticizing Christians for believing God for wealth, then why did God put in his word, the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous? Now, the reason I know Jesus is not coming back today is because I've not seen that happen yet. That is one of the things I'm longing for is to see the body of Christ not be the ones begging for money, but the ones able to give money. And quite frankly, Christians throughout all of Irma and Harvey, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, have given more than any other group of people on the earth. Christians have done it. Rick's daughter did this research on this, and it's, it's amazing to me that you will not hear that on CNN. You will not hear that on any network. It's absolutely the truth because Christians understand the principle of sowing and reaping. You cannot outgive God. Amen. I told you just a, a, a week was a week ago Wednesday, a week ago Tuesday. I had to fly uh, my four kids in. Well, actually, two grandchildren, my daughter, and my son-in-law, and uh, I had to get them tickets the day before they needed to get out of Miami. Okay, and they had to evacuate, and uh, they had to drive to Jacksonville, catch a flight, fly here. Okay, stayed with me for eight days, which was absolutely wonderful. And it was equally wonderful when I put them on the airplane to go home. And, um, but that, that, I'm looking at this and I'm looking at literally potentially a life and death situation. And I'm looking in the face of, of $3,000 plus for tickets. But you know when it's your kids and it's life and death, you don't even think about it. But I pray over it. I called my insurance agent the other day who I've known for years. And I went in to check on my policy here because of what happened to my place in Texas, uh, page 58, actually it was 57, uh, you're one off, but you're close, you're testing me, anyway, so I go in and sit down, he says, we're talking to him, he says, hey, i just been wanting to do this, when's the last time an insurance company wrote you a check and just said, I just want to be a blessing to you, that happened last week, I believe it was directly connected to me flying my daughter out. I was shocked. I mean, usually you have to beg them for the money. I just went in to check on my policy here to make sure it might cover a tornado. Hello, we do have those. And so as I'm sitting there, he just he throws me a check. Now, what am I saying? I'm saying that when you obey the Lord, miraculous things happen. You put miracles in motion. So in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6, Remember this. It's interesting that the verse starts out with, remember this. Paul is saying to the church at Corinth, this is very important. Or else I wouldn't have put at the beginning. If you go to the, your concordance and you look for verses that begin with remember this, I don't know the actual number, but it's not many. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So here are instructions saying, you know, if you, if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap. But you're going to reap sparingly. You're going to get something that God's so kind. Wouldn't it have been something he said, you know what, if, you, if you're not generous, you're not getting a stinking thing. But you no, know, he says if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. Generously, you're going to reap generously each man 
Now, this is giving, not tithing. The give, giving is over and above the tithe. You need to understand that. The tithe is not as a man purposes in his heart because he said you bring the whole tenth into the storehouse. That's the requirement. But now giving, he says, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So whenever you're giving, smile. I, I had to just get happy about giving. You know, when I wasn't ready to give $3,000 for airline tickets, but I just got happy and I thought, you know what? I'm going to get a return on this. So how, how, how can you know that? Because I was giving. Now, in this case, I was giving to someone, and I do believe in giving to people. I believe when you give to people, I believe in giving to the church. I believe in giving to individuals. I, mean, I believe in giving, just period. I believe in giving because you can't outgive God. And, and when God moves on you to do something, that's how you have to decide in your heart you're going to obey him. Now, I'm going to try to skip through some things here because this is way too much teaching today. Robert Morris says money was the subject of 30% of the parables taught by Jesus. So nearly a third of Jesus' teaching is on money. A third. That is an amazing amount. And I believe the reason that Jesus taught on it so much was he knew how difficult it would be for us to let go of that which seems so absolutely important to us and necessary for us. And so all he's saying is, I want you to be very aware of money, the power of money, and uh, the need for money, and how to use money. Morris goes on to say, if something was right under the law, referencing the tithe, it's not going to be wrong under grace. So if something was right under the law, it's certainly not going to be wrong under grace. John Maxwell said, when it comes to change, there are three seasons of timing. People change when they hurt enough that they have to, when they learn enough that they want to, and when they receive enough, they're able to. Those are the three reasons and seasons of change. When you hurt enough that you have to, when you learn enough that you want to, and when you receive enough that you're able to. So now let's talk about first, prosperity begins with planning. I would above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Prosper in all things. So let's begin with planning because prosperity begins with planning. Do you have a plan first to obey the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you have a plan to obey the Bible? Do you have a plan to obey God's word? That's where it all begins. I plan to do this. If you don't have a plan, there's a good chance you'll fail. Many years ago, a guy by the name of Larry Burkett came out with this book called Family Budget Workbook. Uh, this is a planning guide to help you know what you should spend, how much you should spend on clothing, how much you should spend on car maintenance, how much you should spend on housing. This book, you can order at Barnes & Noble. I don't know if it's in stock. I ordered this one because this is what I've used throughout my life to help myself know Mark, you're spending too much money or you have some extra money in an area that you can spend. And once you do this, it, some of you will feel like you're putting on a straitjacket. And uh, I used to think about budgeting as a curse word. But when I began to do it, it liberated me to see 
where the money was going and if I was spending too much money and why I was and how to make the adjustments. I know that you need some sugar with this and some milk on this cereal, but this is going to help you. Uh, You know, so many people are desperate and depressed because they're always out of money. The reason they're always out of money is they don't know where the money went, and they just keep trying to make more money, and the more money you make, if you don't know where a $30,000 salary is going, I promise you, you will not know where $100,000 is going. So you need to learn now and get this in you. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Now, this verse has been argued by some as restricted to a particular dispensation. If anything in the Bible is restricted to a dispensation, then everything in the Bible is restricted to that same dispensation. So if God is speaking to the church at Corinth through the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul writes it down and gives it to us, as I've already shared, he who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly. That wasn't just an applicable verse to the church at Corinth. That verse is applied to all mankind for all time. This may have been written to a group of elders back when Jeremiah was prophesying But this promise of God is a principle that will work for all time. Don't let anyone tell you that this stopped when the elders died. That this was specifically for them because that cannot be accurate or any other verse in the Bible is bound by a dispensation that does not apply to you and me. And that's just not true. This scripture reveals the character and nature of of Jesus, of God, of the Holy Spirit, this reveals who he is. That I would, above all things, that you prospered me in health, and I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. So for me, my oldest child is Chris. He's 31. My youngest is 18. I want the same for them both. Just because there's a gap in the ages or in their lives does not mean that, Chris, this is what I wanted for you, but I don't want it for Victoria. I want the same thing for Victoria that I want for Chris. God wants the same thing for us that he wanted when he was prophesying through Jeremiah this particular verse. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. You don't think God knows the plans he has for you just because we're in the new covenant or just because this was a writing that was given to a group of men back then? He absolutely knows the plans he has for us. And for someone to say you can't put that on your refrigerator and quote it would just be wrong. Put that on the refrigerator. It's a statement from God to a group of people, written to a group of people, just like Paul writing to the church at Corinth, just like John writing the book of John, just like Matthew writing the book of Matthew. If you cannot quote this, don't try quoting anything else. Okay, so planning, simply putting on paper or computer what you want to do with your life. Do you know how you want to live? Do you know where you want to spend your money? Because most of the time, we know where we want to spend our time. There's an old saying, you, you know, you always find the time to do the things you want to do. So anybody that tells you, well, you know, man, I'm so sorry. I've been so busy. I really wanted to call you. Don't go there with me. Oh, I really love God. I really want to go to church. No, you don't. 
Because if you did, you'll always find the time to do the things you really want to do. I really want to be a giver. If you're not a giver right now and you really want to be a giver, then you start giving. But don't act like you want to be a giver if you don't find a way to give. It's real simple. We do find the time and the money to do the things we really want to do. Some of y'all are going to go to the fair and you're going to deep fry everything. Your cholesterol levels are going to go up enormously this, this, this week. Now, you guys know for years it's no secret I despise the fair, okay? I love you. I despise the fair. First off, it's, it's every card. If I was a cardiologist, I would have people standing in the midway passing out my card because your hearts are going to go thump, 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 thump. I ain't mad at you if you go. But, man, when I go, I hate spending my money there. Now, it's just me. Nothing wrong. It's not a sin. But I would rather spend it somewhere else. And I certainly don't want a deep-fried Oreo. So we find this. So, so, see, that's my conviction. I do not have a budget line for the fair. State fair will not be in here. Will I go? I might end up having to go. Thank you. Wasn't really soliciting a response, but okay. What are the things that are important to you? Ask yourself that question. What, where does the church fit into your plan? Because according to Burkett, tithing is the top line. And, and the Bible calls it first fruits as well. That you give to God first. Right after I got that check from the insurance agent, I went text to give. Why? Because that's important to me. I don't want to go, oh, did I, did I give off of that? No. I want to say, you know what? First thing I do, God's going to get his. God's going to get his. Uh, what, what do I want to be doing 5, 10, even 20 years from now? Because if you don't plan now, your plan may not come true. There's a, there's a, there's a quote in here I want to find it. I'm really going to have to deviate. and Hopefully I can find this on here because it fits better here than where I had it. Oh, well, I'll find it here in a minute. Is my plan mixed with faith? The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Is my plan mixed with faith? Remember the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15? And the Bible says that the father gave the prodigal all of his inheritance but what happens when the prodigal returns home? The father had a plan. Number one, he had faith that his son would return. You know how I know he had faith? The Bible says he put a ring on his finger, a robe on his back, and shoes on his feet. He didn't go, hey, you blew it. You know, didn't have a plan for you to return. I thought you, for sure you were going to go out and make good with the inheritance that I gave you. He said, no, I have a plan. When, I, when my son comes home, and I know he's going to come home, and this is way before cell phones and pagers. He had no way of tracking his son's behavior, but he had a way to track God's history. And he always saw that God would make good on his word and that my son will come back. And some of you have children that are not serving the Lord and you go to bed at night in fear and you wake up in trepidation. I'm here to tell you God is faithful to his promise and you need to start waiting and getting ready. Get their room ready, ready for them to come home. Get yourself ready for them to return. 
Because what's going to happen when they come back? Is your heart ready? Are you ready financially? Well, they're they going to pay because they didn't obey. Well, you notice how the son came back and he repented. I'm not talking about enabling. I'm talking about repenting. I'm not talking about enabling our children. Secondly, prosperity is guided by stewardship. In other words, it says in Luke 14, but don't begin until you count the cost for who would begin construction of a building without first getting estimates and then checking to see if they have enough money to pay the bills. In other words, are you stewarding your money well enough to prepare for this kind of thing? Uh, one proverb says, not in the Bible, it's just a Persian proverb, thinking well is wise, playing well, planning well is wiser, doing well is wisest and best of all. It's great to think well, it's great to plan well, but will you do well with the plan that you have projected or prepared to enact? Will you do that? Most of the stress, according to Robert Morris, most of the stress, worry, and anxiety in our lives is caused by a failure to exercise good stewardship. One of my buddies just wrote a book, and he said the problem with our day is if you go to the store today and you want to buy an 80-inch TV, which for some reason men are so weak. You know, women don't sit around and talk about the pixels and the size of the screen. Men do. I got to have that 80-inch TV. He said, oh, honey, this, this postage stamp we're watching is fine. You walk in to Best Buy and you lay down a credit card. Guess what? You don't feel the pain of that because that money is not taken from your account on that day. You won't see that for 30 days depending on your billing cycle. And you're going to feel good until that bill comes in. You go in and lay down cash, you're not, gonna be, you're not even going to want to go home and watch that TV. You're going to have like, I just spent $9,000 on that TV. Problem is it makes it plastic makes it so easy for us to do something that we might not really want to do or ought to do. And if I were teaching a finance course, I would say this, and I know that some of you are in a situation you may not be able to do this, but if I spend money on a credit card, it is paid in full the day it's due. Because I do not want to be charged 25% interest on something I bought because if it's going to be 25 interest percent interest, I don't need to be buying it. And, and so we've got depressed people, worried people, fearful people, and, and they have moments of enjoyment, but they have days of misery because they can't figure out how they're going to get out of the hole that they've found themselves in. So Paul had a scheduled day for people to, to deliver on their stewardship. 1 Corinthians 16, 2. On the first day of every week. Isn't it interesting that we celebrate and worship God on Sunday, the first day of every week. That's what we do. Each one should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Why? They've already set it aside and it's ready for Paul to come. We can debate and argue, and I've heard it for years with two degrees in theology. Well, you know, 
we don't have to do that stuff anymore. Well, in Matthew, it, it, it clearly states that in giving with the, the deal and the coming that we should also continue to bring the tithe in. And so we can argue, and that's fine. I don't argue anymore. I just look and say, do what you want to do. I'm just telling you what the Bible says, and there will be a connection to the joy in your life and the money that you're obeying God with. There will be a connection between the joy and the peace and how you spend your money. Now, that's arguable to some because you've got people that you know are millionaires and you think they're happy and they look happy in front of you. But I promise you, I've counseled many who are miserable. They can buy everything they want but peace. You can't buy peace and you can't buy joy. The Bible says in the presence of God is fullness of joy. Now, happiness is a little different. You can be happy when good things are happening. How many of you know good things don't happen 24-7? That's why the joy of the Lord is our strength, not the happiness of man. So, you must each make up your mind as he purposes and how much you should give. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Four steps that will liberate us to give as we will, according to Larry Burkett. Find God's direction for your life, number one. Most of the frustrations experienced by Christians come as the result of patterning their lives after someone else. Do you want what you're getting or do you want it to impress someone? Do you want what you're getting when you purchase it or are you purchasing it because you saw someone else purchase it? Make a conscious act of trusting God. What did I say? Be intentional. Number three, develop a long-range viewpoint. In other words... You know, do you really need this? How many of you have a... No, don't raise your hand. <laughs> iPhone watches are the coolest thing. It's like George Jetson, you know? I have wanted an iPhone watch for a long time. I've just not bought one. Because in my mind, I can't find a really good reason to have one. My cell phone's working fine. And, and the trick of this is, in order for the iPhone watch to work, your cell phone has to be like in your purse or your pocket. So am I, hold it, this or, hold on, all this work, let me get this heavy thing out. You see what I'm saying? I get silly sometimes in order to prevent myself from doing something silly, which is nothing wrong if you have an iPhone watch. If that's in your budget, it just doesn't seem to be in mine. And I don't fault you. I think they're cool. I think, I think they probably at times are really cool, like if you're in the shower and you're so important that you have to talk in the shower, quite frankly, I'd like to sing in the shower because the only place I sound good. <laughs> so I don't want to use my iPhone watch in the shower and take up my great singing time with all the wonderful acoustics. So if your phone's on the counter, I get it. You can answer the phone. What are you doing? I'm in the shower. That's not a pleasant thought, having to talk to somebody. There are images that go through your eyes. You're in the shower? wonder what that looks like. You know, I mean, it's not something you want to do. But, hey, if you want the iPhone watch, I, I say great. Then fourthly, he says pray diligently. Then the last point is not, it was planning stewardship, and then prop, prosperity grows by investment. In other words, there is investing in the soil, sowing the seed. It's, it's investing. Now, 
I will never go into telling you I'm not a, I'm not a licensed broker. I, I, I've had a guy that's helped me for years and years and years, and I meet with him regularly. Just, hey, help me out. What do I do here? And, and you need to be educated on the best way for you to, to, to live your life long-term, long, have that long-term viewpoint, how you're going to live that life, what you're going to do. And a lot of that determines on what you're going to do with your money. We don't talk about this in church. We don't talk about sex and money in church, and we should talk about both. But I warn you when I talk about the other. <laughs> Just like I warned you that this series was going to be taught. But the reason that bothers me is because I believe God's Word is the greatest source of information we have concerning both. And, and yet we don't talk about them because the church is supposed to, those are supposed to be taboo topics. I'm not going to let those be taboo topics because if I do, I'm depriving you of really good information that, that will probably change your life. Yes. Just last week, my, my daughter and son-in-law were here, sitting right back here. And uh, my daughter is, uh, she's just, I mean, not because she's my kid. I've just watched her go through really hard times and now she's happy, two kids and husband and and she's just a great mom, and I couldn't be more proud of her. And uh, last week, she uh, I, I didn't know this till afterwards, that, that she had tithed to, to the church here, given a, or given a, a good gift. And uh, so that was Sunday. I put her on a plane, put all of them on a plane Wednesday. They didn't have power uh, when they got on the plane. Their house was without power, so we were just praying, God, let them have power. And so when they landed, come to find out, uh, her father-in-law had gone over. They, they had electricity. Everything was great. So that was Wednesday. She got up to go to work on Thursday. And uh, when she went into work Thursday, unexpectedly, the boss came up to her and said, You have done such a good job. We're giving you a raise, and we're giving you a promotion, and we're grooming you for higher-level management. Now, she calls me first right when she's leaving her job on Thursday. And I said, Honey, I noticed that you, you gave on Sunday. She went, Oh, yeah, I did. I said, I think there's a connection here. And she says, I, I think there is too. She was so excited. But see, sometimes we get, we, we get the fruit. And that was just days. And I think God did that just for her. I think he just wanted to show her, honey, I know what you have and what you don't have. And I know how to get to you the things you need that you don't have. And, and I knew that they didn't have it. That's why I had to fly them in. I knew what they had. I know their money situation. They share that with me. And, and I, I walk through it with them. The challenge is when God starts blessing us, we start wanting to build bigger barns. In Luke 12, it says, the, the ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Maybe God didn't want him to store them. Maybe he wanted to give them. Kind of indicates it here. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns, build bigger ones. And there I will store all of my grain and my goods. And, and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get <clears throat> what you have prepared for yourself? Now, I'm not against big stuff. I'm not against you having stuff. I'm not against having stuff. I'm not. I'm against stuff having us. And the minute I don't think about others before I look at myself and think, God, what can I do for others? Then I'm selfish. That's what selfishness is. I don't trust God if I'm not willing to give. 
I don't trust. And God wants us to trust him and exercise faith. Proverbs 21.20 says, In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. He devours. Why? Because he's not thinking, if I don't sow, there won't be anything to reap. If I don't plant, there won't be a harvest. In other words, he just begins to say, man, I got everything I need right now. I'm, gonna, I'm just going for it. When I think about Dennis Rodman and Mike Tyson, how do you go through $300 million and you're busted today? Because you didn't think or plan for a future when you could no longer take a hit on the chin or hit somebody on the chin. We don't think, well, everything's great today. We've got plenty. Let's go build bigger barns instead of saying, hold it, let's think about this a minute. If we sow this, we can reap. If we save this, we can see increase even, and you should have savings, increase on our savings or our investment. In other words, create a plan. You don't have to have everything today. Tithing and giving is an investment in the kingdom of God. It's that simple. It is an investment in God's kingdom and God's people. And, and whether it's here or somebody preaching the gospel or whatever it might be, it is an investment. And it is the only guaranteed investment. Can I tell you that? Only guaranteed investment. Why? Because the broker of that promise is God himself. I, I've got a broker, one, and I lost some serious investment money because the bond market collapsed. You know what my broker told me? It's never happened before in history. Well, guess what? History has been rewritten. Because, because and, and you know what? I love the guy. He didn't see it. I didn't see it. But let me tell you, nothing goes unseen in the kingdom of God. God knows everything, and he sees everything. And when you have sown into his kingdom, when you need something, it's going to come your way. Why? Because God has promised. He is faithful, and he is not a man that he should lie. So when you invest in the kingdom and you give into the house of God, these are the things that we are guaranteed. He said, I'll open the windows of heaven. I'll pour out so much blessing, you won't have room enough to contain it all. David said it best, my cup runneth over. You know, I want to encourage you to be sure that, that you get this for your sake Bible says a righteous man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. I've never just thought about just one dimensional when it comes to prosperity. I think first about the kingdom of God, obeying God's word. But secondly, I think about my kids. My kids need to have an inheritance because a righteous man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. One of the reasons I plan the way I do is I want to leave something for my kids' kids. And you know what? I'm... I'm immovable when it comes to that. I'm saying, God, that's a part of what you've called me to do because I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, and I'm going to leave an inheritance.